and welcome to episode 5 of Foot Focus Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Steve Stokes. A little bit quieter than usual tonight as we're recording quite late. Don't want to wake anybody up, but uh, hopefully you can't quite hear the, the lisp as well that I may have picked up during a week, more a week later. But yeah, we're joined by a regular voice on the pod this week. We've got On The Rob, and we've also got another returning guest in Dylan Campbell. But we've got somebody making the debut this week as well. And that's somebody that's very well known to Dylan. That's his uh, his coach, Andy Fanavong. Have I pronounced that right, Andy? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's as good as it'll get, I think. Yeah, I've heard a lot worse, <laughs> and that was pretty good. I've, I've been practicing for literally minutes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, welcome on, mate. Um, can you tell the listeners a bit about yourself, just to uh, to give them an idea of, of what you're all about? So, yeah, I'm... I, Currently, I'm a free agent coach, actually, but I did work closely with uh, Dylan at Order last year. I do casual coaching as well as a mix of competitive coaching and have done broadcasting or play-by-play casting with E-League Australia last year. Right. So, um, Dylan, why haven't you signed Andy up? (laughs) Should I ask? Dare I ask? Maybe I shouldn't ask. (laughs) Uh, Jeez, this is a difficult one to like even... And if I can say this publicly, that's the only thing. That's fine. But okay, Rob, how have you been? How's how's your week? <laughs> I feel like there's. Uh... Andy, I, sh- I should add as well. Andy's a lawyer. I don't want to go down any dark paths here that we can't get back from. <laughs> we'll leave it there. Maybe it'll crop up later in the pod. Rob, help. Yeah, I feel like I'm in here with a couple that have just recently split up, and uh, it's a bit awkward. I'm the third man. I'm just watching, but I like that. So anyway, right. What am I doing? Uh, usual, usual FIFA shite for me. Champs, rivals, sweating, got to elite, packed some good stuff. Usual, yeah. Nothing too new with me. Well, something that isn't usual is, uh, I mean, nobody ever asks me how I am or how my week's been. I, I get the impression nobody cares, but I, I don't really talk about it. Rob, I've, I've had an awful week. See? Have you, Steve? Really? Yes. Tell us more. Tell me, Steve, please. Sorry to hear that, Steve. I hope you're okay. I, I was really happy. I, I went to the local corner shop during the week. And they gave me a free breakfast baguette, which was basically a sausage in a, in a in a big long roll. And I got it home and microwaved it. And I don't know if you guys know, when you microwave bread a bit too long, it gets quite hard at the bottom. It goes, turns into a rock. So I sat down, started watching Rob's stream, bit into my baguette, and uh, cracked a tooth, snapped it, basically. So if I have a bit of a lisp... Throughout the podcast, that's why. It's technically Rob's fault. I haven't quite worked out exactly why. Right, so on to the actual meat, which I can't eat anymore, of the podcast. Um, we've obviously had the, the World Cup promo drop today, and I'd like to gather everybody's general thoughts on it, really. Being as though you're making your debut, Andy, let's start with you. What, what are your feelings? I think it's a really good promo. I think there's you know so many cards, so much variation. I'm pretty excited, but I'm also personally terrified to see how many upgrades some of these cards will get i think uh by the start of january the end of december my team will be pretty pretty different to what it is now but i'm hoping that the the power curve isn't too steep to the point where players who don't put in the same money that dylan has for example will be able to still use the good cards and not you know get punished too badly for not using yeah not using yaya toure and these path to glory cards let's just say one of the things that I'm wondering is whether people are going to be likely to abandon their current teams, you know, basically to sell up for a few months and 
just use the World Cup cards because they're pretty easy to come by. Yeah, well, possibly. I mean, it's. I agree with Andy. This promo's really good. I think that what they dropped at six o'clock tonight is quality. Like loads of variation, loads of good cards. The designs on the World Cup heroes are pretty cool. Yeah, I think a lot of people will probably veer. Well, they'll still stick to meta, but they'll probably try and move to to World Cup cards just for the the fun of it and I think it's it's obviously decent that a lot of these cards are live you know so you can if you've got for example that Chupo Mating objective card if you cheer Cameroon you know if Cameroon win a few games and he gets upgraded I think he can get upgraded then they become decent so yeah I like it I think it's all good Chupo Mating I'm, I'm trying to write a reggae song lyric around that Rob um, I've got one no I haven't no I, I don't know I'll shut up I've got one on Chupo Mating <laughs> Um, Dylan, Ish. Are there any cards there that appeal to you? Because obviously you're using cards at the much higher end of the scale than than what us mere mortals do. Is there anything that might make your team at the minute? Ah, uh, well, Vinny Junior piques my interest. I would say. We thought you hated him. I do, I do, to be honest. But if he gets a couple upgrades, you never know. My my opinions can always change. See, the thing is, I would love to use so many of these cards, and like, I probably will in week and league rivals, all that. But for like our qualifiers, we got rating restrictions on how many 90 rated cards we can use if there was no restrictions i'd probably be putting de jong in my team like maybe even Bali, although i just like him as well carvajal looks good as well so there's some very good cards in here tell us more we're intrigued why don't you like vinicius and Bali? uh vinicius for me he can only do one thing and that's dribble now the guy's got no end product unfortunately as much as i would like for him to be good because i've got him on tradable uh, he currently sits on my bench as an unused sub. Koulibaly, I was playing in a, a tournament and yeah, unfortunately had a very bad moment in a crucial time. So yeah, wow. he is never getting a game for my club again. Really? That's pretty harsh, Dil. Like, I'm, I'm all for second chances. So maybe this this special Koulibaly can get a run in the team. Very fair. Now, you're going to have to stand in as our market expert this week as well, Dylan, because... Uh... Spicy Turtle, our regular... Well, we call him a market expert, but he'd it, it, it lost a million and a half coins in one day last week, so uh, that's that's up for debate. Maybe you can do a better job, Dylan, and displace him. How do you think this World Cup promo is going to affect the market? Do you think that people are going to sell up their, their regular teams and just roll with the, the World Cup cards and we're going to see a bit of a... Not a crash, but maybe more of a depression? See, I think that's largely dependent upon what SBCs they bring up. Like, if we get a lot of, uh, like, to call them casino SBCs, the ones where, like, you submit your squad and then you either do it for, like, a, a path to glory pack or, like, a path to glory pick, something like that, or just a chance at any special card uh, through an SBC. If we get heaps of those, then we'll be seeing a lot of people sell off yet. But I don't know. It It's very dependent upon what content they bring out past this because at the moment, what, this is just the promo team, you got the World Cup heroes as well. But then people have also got the swaps to work towards. So, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting one to see over the next couple of weeks. It's going to be a hell of a grind, isn't it? Has anybody already started on it? Yep. Played the one squad battle game so far to try and get a few goals with different players in different nations. But I can yeah, definitely feel it already. It's going to be quite difficult to get done in such a short period of time. Well, I've got a bit of a top tip there, actually, for, for how to get these um, the World Cup player milestones done quite quickly. The first thing, I'm hoping a lot of listeners won't have actually got their um, their essential packs yet because the tendency is to choose a team that you're affiliated with. But really, what you want to be doing 
is choosing Qatar as your team because there are no Qatari players available in the market. So when it comes to completing the milestones and you need to score with a Qatari player, you're going to be up against it. And the easiest way around that is to choose Qatar as your team for the, uh, the free essential pack. The second tip that I'd give people is that you can actually get all of this done in just two games on squad battles. So if you were to make a squad with players from 11 nations in your starting team and have five subs on the bench from five other nations, score with each player, and then play another game doing the same thing with the remaining 16 nations. Obviously, it's only going to take you two games. And you can even do it on amateur in squad battles. So uh, you can score the necessary goals, put down your controller, and the AI won't tackle you. So uh, nice and easy way around that. Okay, there's going to be loads to discuss around the World Cup over the, over the next few weeks, I'm sure. Before we leave the subject, though, it starts next week. We won't have another podcast before it begins, so it's a good time to get everybody's predictions for who's going to win it. Rob, who's going to win the World Cup? Um, I will go for Argentina. Argentina, playing it safe. Yeah. Andy? Uh, I want to go with the boring answer and say Argentina. But you're going to say Australia. <laughs> I wish I could say Australia. No, I think, <laughs> I think France have got it this year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Dylan, you're going to say Australia. Of course I am. Australia, bring it home. But that's only because South Africa aren't in it, right? I won't answer for, for reasons, <laughs> just in case I get like jumped on the streets here in Australia. Determined to stir some controversy here. If Mark Viduka was playing for Australia, they would, would definitely win it. Does Dylan know who Mark Viduka is? Exactly, Mark Viduka. Of course, I know who that is. Shut up, Grandad. <laughs> Andy, you don't know who Mark Viduka is? No, I know who he is. Oh, God, Jesus. I, got, I would have been upset. Well, I'm going to be ultra boring and say Brazil, but I do think that England have got a cracking chance of winning the World Cup. So uh, come on, the England. Good luck to the boys. Right, OK, let's leave World Cup for now and get on to the gameplay tuning patch that dropped during the week. We've got a pretty good gameplay panel here today, so it seems like a good one to get stuck into. The question that really we're still left with, I feel, I don't want to... To lead you into answers but it was supposed to be addressing the issue of, of pressing and uh, basically make it less rewarding players would lose their stamina and uh, people would be less inclined to use it I guess Dylan has it actually done what it was intended to do I think there is a stamina nerf for constant press slightly I've been made aware of a glitch where if you turn on constant press and you know like you go back to a tactic afterwards you still lose the same amount of stamina as if you were still playing constant press I don't know if it's changed too much, though, to be honest. I've seen a couple of things with, like, press out of possession loss a full 90 minutes, and people are still having, like, okay stamina by the end of it. Uh, but I think there's been a bit of a change there, I've noticed. I mean, it probably is more of a drain on stamina, but does that really affect players? That's the question. To be honest, it doesn't make too much of a difference because, especially on the competitive level, right, but this applies to every level of FIFA, Majority of the time when you're playing constant press, it's like maybe last 15, 10 minutes of the game. So even if you got constant press turned on for only what that short period of time, the stamina nerf isn't really a massive a massive deal because it's the end of the game anyways. So yeah, I think they needed to, to address more so the fact that the AI on the pressing tactics covers pretty much every single one of your players. And then for some reason, I don't know why, your players, like your own AI and... Players' touches, everything, their movement. Something's messed up with it as soon as your opponent puts on the press. So I think they needed to address that rather than the stamina, but at least it's at least it's something to address the press. 
Yeah, I'm really happy they've addressed it. Um, I I can't say I've really experienced it yet. You know, I don't feel like I've played anyone who was who was rocking it. But I'm yeah. I obviously moaned about it in the last pod, so I'm glad they've done something about it. I saw a little graphic of um, a, a team's stamina for 45 minutes after being on constant press with the new patch, and a lot of the players would looked pretty dead. So yeah, I think that's good. I think it's I'm happy they've done it, but I haven't really encountered anyone using it yet maybe less people will use it now which is a bonus so yeah i'm I'm happy with it no i think i generally agree with those points like dill said i think it comes down to like ea having almost a mechanic in the game where like once you're under pressure your player stats are relative to like composure and then the dribbling is scrutinized a bit more as well and like the passing but i mean it's, it's always going to be a good change having press be punished a little bit more because the you know the, the benefit of using constant pressure versus the detriment you had before didn't really balance itself out very fairly. Like you could just constant press, you wouldn't really get punished for it. You can do it for 30 plus minutes. So any reduction to that, I think at this stage is pretty good as long as it's not to the point where it becomes useless, where it was with like maybe overload ball side, maybe a year or two ago in that previous FIFA, where it just stamina went straight to zero and you were done. So I think it's, yeah, it's a good change, to be honest. I think that's a really good point that you make about composure there as well, because uh, I I really wish, and I keep complaining to certain people at EA, that we don't know enough about certain stats and what they do. And I I definitely agree that composure is a massive thing when it comes to press. Uh, I think that's why it suddenly becomes so much trickier with your defenders. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, very good point. Corners, they've also been nerfed, and... I think we were all taking advantage of the uh, the fully powered corner where you could just fire it into your, your big striker, normally CR7 or somebody, and they just power the header past the keeper. That's pretty much gone now, I think, hasn't it? Um, I'm still finding a little bit of success, not with like just mm. a slight variation, maybe like four bars into that rough area. But I mean, yeah, the full powered one where you could just rocket a header in every time is definitely not the same as it used to be. I don't try it. I've never tried it. I, I, I don't like doing it. I'm not a dirty rat, as Inception would say. <laughs> garbage. you garbage. That was terrible. Dylan, uh, I've seen you use them. Don't deny it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've tested them out since the, the live tuning update. And I'm still scoring them, to be honest. But I have noticed the, like, the full power ones near post, they're a bit slower. Although yeah. I would contest the accuracy if that's been change at all because I, f- I still feel like it goes the spot i want it every single time although i've only got a small sample size i've only done I, them about four or five times it seems to be the case that if you're using top tier players with pretty good stats um accuracy yeah it, it certainly doesn't seem to have been affected greatly with it being less reliable though do you think we're going to end up going back to a meta of just calling the player short as we as we have done for the past four or five years really see the thing is that's kind of the meta already like i know what everyone was using was those like full powered ones but even if you didn't go full power if you pass short and pass the edge of the box i don't know what it is with corners but for some reason if you hit one skill move on the edge of the box like if you're in the middle of it off a corner you hit one skill move you'll always beat the defender especially if they're not controlling them manually so i always liked to call like, corners on this game like hockey corners pretty much they were like so good if you got it to the edge of the box, your player, because you could either hit the Traveller or you do one skill move, you get into the box, pass the defender, you shoot. I don't know. I still feel like playing it short was always a, a really viable option. I'm really pleased you mentioned Traveller there, Dill, because it leads me on nicely to the next question. 
which is what still needs to be addressed. Trevellas, yeah, they're too good. Very, yeah, still very OP. I, I, I don't look, I don't look for them every attack, but I do hit the occasional one. Um, but yeah, they're very strong still. I want to play devil's advocate slightly here because, well, it's not really devil's advocate. I believe it. I think they are an excellent deterrent to people sitting too deep and uh, basically parking the bus. What do you think, Andy? Yeah, I agree with that point. To be honest, I think we've had FIFA's where you have no long shot, you know, mechanic in the game, and it becomes so frustrating for a lot of players who maybe don't want to have to rely on incredible dribbling mechanics to even get into the box and have a chance to shoot. So, I mean, I I like the Travellers personally. I know that they are definitely a little bit too strong in certain areas, but you know, anything to change the game up and add in another area where people can hone in a mechanic is probably a good thing. So. Maybe the solution is not to necessarily nerf Trevellas, but to make them more stat-relevant. So if a player's got mm-hmm. decent long shots, decent curve, what have you, they're still going to go in. But, I mean, I tweeted out a clip of me scoring one with Raphael Varane quite a while ago, and that's just it's just a bit silly, isn't it? Do we, do we think that it's the, it's the shooting mechanic that needs changing? Or is it the goalkeepers? Keeper. Yeah, keepers. Yeah. The way off the line. The, a lot of these Travellers are not even top corner. They just go over the keeper and into the middle of the net. So I think because a lot of people say, and I'm sure Dylan will probably tell me, but you know, a lot of people say movie keeper, movie keeper. I'm far too old and slow to remember to move my keeper just as he's about to hit a Traveller. But I think if you do that, it probably does counter them a bit. I can manage. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, apparently moving keeper helps. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't move my keeper in any situation in FIFA, so like. I try to focus on the defensive side of it. I feel I don't like keep moving personally. I, I feel like it bails you out of poor defending. That's yeah. just my own opinion. I like I like Dylan. He's not a dirty rat. Yeah, see, I don't think it should be in the game personally. I think what you've got to do is defend. Keeper can be all the AI. It kind of reminds me of last year. They made a change to finesse shots last year. I remember it. Mm. Before the patch to finesses, what the keeper would always do would take a step forward and like dive forward. I feel like they do similar this year with Trevellas. I don't know if you remember it from FIFA 22, but as soon as they fix that animation or that tendency with the goalkeepers to instead of like step back and like try to dive backwards or sideways to save it, they would always take one step forward as soon as they hit the ball and just dive forward. It just goes looping straight over them. I hate keeper movement. I agree with you. I think it's awful. It, there's nothing worse than breaking someone down with nice football and then get in the box and then they do it to take you by surprise and you just hit a shot and they just catch it and it's so frustrating. It's very effective though. I um I want to be careful how I phrase this. Uh, before the separation, Andy, um, <laughs> didn't it drive you nuts that Dylan would never use his his keeper movement? I mean, thankfully, apart from the finesse shots, it wasn't too bad. But I mean, mm. Dylan's usually a quite a good defender, so he makes up for it in that sense. But I mean, if you're not using a mechanic as strong as goalkeeper movement, you're probably doing a disservice to yourself a little bit. So. I mean, it's not the not the worst habit I've seen from Dill, but probably get into that a little bit later, I guess. Okay, right. Well, was it actually goalkeeper movement? Was that cited in the uh, in the application for divorce? I think it was no, one of the clauses. Uh, oh, never mind. Dill could probably say what he thinks instead. Well, I'm sure we'll have the opportunity very very soon because again, um, leads us into a nice segue. I want to talk a bit more about coaching. Obviously, there's different types of coaching and. I wondered, Andy, if you could just sort of outline the difference between competitive coaching, uh, the sort of stuff that you've, you've done with Dill and various other pro players down there in Australia, and the, the regular coaching, the sort of stuff that I tend to uh, earn my bread and butter from. Um, so, to be honest, I think the main difference 
between competitive coaching and regular coaching is kind of the balance of where you get what where the focus is so with a lot of comp players and like professional FIFA players they're already quite good at the game their their mechanics and the way they want to play is very fine-tuned so all yeah. the time for me it's either you know tweaking little things here and there to maybe suit the meta a bit better or taking stuff externally so something that Dill's really good at or has been really good at in the past is um taking stuff from like other plays that he sees so for example he takes a lot of references from what's happening over in europe so what the you know what the top tier pros over there are doing whether that's like the german for example integrating that into his game and so a lot of the time with regular coaching i don't really get that luxury to focus on stuff like that where i'll probably be you know doing little tweaks to custom tactics instructions and just trying to get mistakes out of their game instead so i think there's that's probably the, the main difference i would say just focusing on getting rid of mistakes for regular coaching and just trying to like make sure they're doing the basics right rather than competitive coaching where I'm trying to like fine tune stuff, add stuff to their game that would give that little extra 1%, that little extra detail that might be important in a clutch moment or a really tough game. Yeah, I can get on board with that. I think as well that the thing with regular coaching is that a lot of it is really just about ironing out bad habits, isn't it really? Mm -hmm. Just, you know, little negative patterns that people have got into. Have you ever thought about having coaching, Rob? Would you ever let me coach you? There's a, there's a question. Yeah. Yeah, I would, yeah. On old gen. Yeah. On old gen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I have. Be yeah, I have because I'm 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 very competitive on it and I'm a bad loser. And uh, yeah, I like to be the best I can be. So um, yeah, there's times where I was fairly, reg well, yeah, I was getting 16 wins in champs and I was thinking I'd like to be able to, you know, become someone who could maybe start getting 18. So, but I know that a lot of what comes with that is probably abusing more mechanics. Is that a fair statement? Dylan, would you agree that you have to abuse more mechanics to, to be better in the game? Oh yeah, 100%. On the pro level, like if you're not abusing the broken mechanics, you're doing yourself a disservice. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm not, that, that, that's, that's not me. I'm not having a dig. Like, Listen, I, I respect people who are playing at the top level, but for me, I don't know if I want to do that to, to get better kind of thing because I'm a casual player. I think at the pro level that's certainly true, but I think you can get twenty wins in weekend league without abusing uh, Berber cancels. You reckon? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I'm speaking like if you're playing you know, top pros in the world, if you're not using like the broken stuff, then yeah, you're making making your life harder for yourself. But in weekend league, even rivals and stuff, you can play normal football how you want, and if you just get better at the game, iron out mistakes, like just do the simple things, right? Yeah, hundred percent can still win almost every year i think that's why like i generally like whenever i'm coaching someone who's you know just asking for regular coaching i'll just ask who's your favorite team what kind of style do you like to play because there's no point trying to force them to abuse mechanics they don't want to be doing hmm. and i think that's really important you know when you jump on fifa a lot of these times if you're you know not a professional player you want to play and you want to play a style that you know you like watching you like playing so you replicate it when you jump on the game so i think it's yeah it's definitely a, a big Big difference from spamming the giddy cancels and yeah. first time traveller shots or something like that. I actually I, I put together a um a video for my for my academy earlier today. And I was playing it through and recording the voiceover, and I've got to confess I noticed myself. Uh, I tried to do a Berber cancel with a four star skiller and just sort of <laughs> my head in shame a little bit exposed. I've got to ask you. I mean, I'm sure the listeners would want to know. And while we've got you two guys here. What do you think are the most broken mechanics in 23? Well, there's a couple things that need 
urgent patching, in my opinion. Now, it's probably not like too known amongst casual players, although they probably would know by now. Travellers, first of all, that's a common one. The one big, big flaw of this game is first time L1, R1 through walls, or LB, RB through walls. Yeah, if you hit those first time on any angle, even if you're facing your own goal, you can hit a 180 degree pass and every time it'll fly over the defender. Mm-hmm. So that needs to be patched ASAP. Uh, I expect a patch to them soon. I do think there's one coming, but yeah, if it's not patched by the time like the first competition in Europe comes around, I think it's in about two weeks, you'll see every single pro will be just spamming that mm-hmm. um, and abusing it because it's literally undefendable. So just to explain, that's where you basically, you're, you're triggering a run with, well, normally you trigger it with one striker, play the pass into the other striker and time it so that he can play the ball over the top as the striker gets leveled with the defender, yeah? Yeah, exactly. You trigger the one player and then as soon as he's on like the, the edge of the defensive line, then you play one more pass to a different player and first time L1, R1, through over the top. I mean, crossing is very broken this year as well. But I don't think it's going to be able to be patched without completely killing every single cross in the game. I'm also speaking about like the German crosses. Well, if people don't know what that refers to. It's pretty much like pretty much like how Trent Alexander Arnold crosses in real life, like the really deep crosses, and you just whip them in from the the sideline to the player in the box. I mean, I don't think those will be able to be patched without completely killing crossing. So it's one of those where it's it's defendable though. The biggest problem is those through walls that I mentioned. What do you make of the Traveller crosses, guys? Um, I wouldn't say that they're by any means broken, but I'd say that they're pretty overpowered, right? Yeah, I mean, I use them a fair bit because I play Cancelo on the left, and I pretty much use them for that reason. Traveller cross on his right foot. I think they're very, very effective. But, yeah, I wouldn't go as far to say they're broken. Andy, mm-hmm. what is the best and the worst thing about coaching Dylan? Um... I think the, Be the best thing about coaching Dylan is probably the fact he's willing to try anything. As a coach, that's always a good thing to have, to like be able to coach someone who you know, will take on any advice they receive or if they want to try something out, they're willing to try it and not be worried that it doesn't work. So I think in that sense, Dylan's always going to be very good. I think that's also, funnily enough, it, he's so resolute in the strangest, strangest hills to die on, though. Let's say the, the Eusebio argument that we... Constantly have every time he gets on an account, it's going back to Eusebio because it's tried and true for him. It does work very well, but at the same time, it's like you have so many cards and so many options. But Dill knows which players he likes, and he definitely does not like expert opinion on or outside opinion on that matter. For example, we were playing two v two last year at a competitive event, and we were like looking at options, but then no. Dill's the shot caller. He, he likes his team and Eusebio's in no matter what. So I think that was a little bit frustrating to get past and I think that's the sometimes the worst part of Dill's game. But, I mean, he plays incredibly well with the players he's got and the players he trusts. So as a coach, you kind of have to follow him to death with that one. See, I've got a good point on this, though. Every time I use... Hang on, Dill. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. The uh, the next question is: You didn't think I was going to hang you out to dry like that, did you? Of course not. No. No. What's the best and worst thing about being coached by Andy Dill? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking awfully long here. You know, there's so many good things about being coached by me. Surely. 
Yeah, I'm thinking about the worst one first because I need to think about that. Because I don't know if I'll be able to get one there. See, the good thing with Andy is, and I'm surprised he didn't mention mention this about the worst thing coaching me, is like, I kind of talk to myself when I play comp FIFA. And like, I kind of criticize my own mistakes whilst playing. Like thing, Things I say are like, oh, Dylan, what's that? What are you doing? Like, why are you playing like an idiot? Those kind of things. Right. So I guess it's good when Andy was there. It kind of like helped me uh, calm down a bit, you know, because he could do it all pretty much, like the mental side of it and also the tactical side of it, um, figuring out, you know, someone's playing this certain style, this formation, what can I do to counter that and make them feel uncomfortable and force them into a change? Just so that, like, I'm always I'm always the one dictating what's happening in the game, not my opponent. Um, Come on, sl- slug him off a bit. Come on. Well, yeah, I, you agree, Rob, right? That I've... Yeah, roast him. Come on, roast him. Yeah, roast each other. I've actually got, I've got one, but it's not like, it's not a bad thing. Oh, the one thing that I would say, I mean, I didn't mind because it, it made my life easier. But Andy, he didn't like, uh, he was never very harsh on me. And I feel like in some moments, maybe he needed to be a bit more harsh. It's very, it's a very sensitive thing with comp FIFA. It's very high pressure moments and all that. It's like, I can understand it. You don't want to, you know. You, you wanted him bollocking you. I wouldn't say that. As I said, <laughs> it made my life a lot easier. But maybe in certain moments, you know, if I'm playing like a proper idiot, and all the that start like it's time to put the foot down which to be fair he did when we were in uh copenhagen during the practice were there ever points andy where you just stayed quiet where you were just thinking internally like oh for fuck's sake <laughs> of course of course you see you see a few mistakes here and there and you're like okay okay let's you know let's reset settle it down win the ball back and then they'll do the exact same mistake again and you're just like oh gosh okay it's gonna be one of those games where i'm gonna have to just say pause. Just pause. What's happening? What, what's going on? You know, do you know what you're doing wrong? And a lot of the time, I'm not. Yeah, I don't really like putting my foot down. I think that's you know, it's just not in my personality. But at the same time, I kind of like having the player, you know, understand the problem themselves, let them work through it mentally, so that they can actually figure out you know what to fix or what to avoid doing or what changes to make, rather than you know, me having to make the change for them and me having to like say do this yeah. this this and i mean them... to be fair I, i'm taking the piss a little bit here and, and trying to <laughs> get a good conversation going but you know to give you due credit you have been incredibly successful together haven't you during your uh your marriage partnership how long were you together <laughs> shotgun marriage for one year sadly you know all good <laughs> things come to an end whereabouts did you travel to together obviously you mentioned copenhagen that Copenhagen, London, went to Melbourne for E-League, although he was doing, like, casting. I was playing there. I know about the casting couch, but that's all I know about. Let's have a bit of a break from that, because something I often joke about with Dylan is that, um, Dylan, you love learning foreign languages, right? Of course, yes. Right. And I often joke that I'm, uh, I'm learning Australian. So what I thought would be a fun thing to do We'll have a little game here where uh, we can test you Australian guys on Yorkshire slang. Even though Rob's not from Yorkshire, he's, he's from Manchester. He just no, pretends no, to be. No, 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 no. I'm not from Manchester. Plastic Leeds fan. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we'll test you guys on uh, Yorkshire slang and we'll test Rob on Australian slang. Are we up for it? Yeah. Yeah. I reckon I'll be good at this, to be honest. What, what could possibly go wrong? Right. We'll start with you, Rob. Okay. Oh, God. Yeah. 
what I want to know is, in Australian slang, is a thunderbox a toilet, a terrible car, or a noisy wombat? What a is a thunderbox? A thunderbox. A toilet, a terrible car, or a noisy wombat? Terrible car. I would hope that you guys know the answer to this. I'll be honest. I didn't know what it was until you read out the uh, answers. Okay. I still don't know what it is, to be honest. Oh, dear. It's a toilet. <laughs> oh. Yeah, okay, I figured. I can't. Never mind. I, I thought it was the car. I think it, I think the, the cars are... Are you allowed to swear on the podcast? Oh, yeah, by all means. Oh, okay. Yeah, isn't isn't the car like a, a normally like a shitbox? Shitbox, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's why I thought it was a... I can't wait until the next time I'm in polite company and I can say, sorry, guys, I'm just going to nip to the thunderbox. <laughs> <laughs> right, we've got three altogether. So your second one, Rob. Which of the following Australian expressions does not mean getting drunk? Getting maggoted... Getting mounted or getting bogan? Getting mounted, did you say? Was that number two? <laughs> yeah, getting maggoted. I've any of these. Getting mounted or getting bogan? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I don't think that getting maggoted is getting drunk. Guys? I haven't heard of any of them. <laughs> I can't say that I've heard of too many of them. I think God. getting mounted, I assume, is probably not the getting drunk. I'm reliably informed that getting bogan is the odd one out. That's the only oh. one that doesn't mean getting oh, drunk. I think bogan isn't bogan slang for somebody who's, uh, should we say, quite common? Yeah, considered quite unsophisticated. Unrefined. Unrefined. Exactly. Great word. Yes. yes, there we go. Zero out of two. Uh, moving swiftly on, Rob. <laughs> Yeah, let's do the hat trick of failures. Go on. Your final question, and don't get too smug here, you Aussie guys. You, you've got to go through Yorkshire yet. Final question, Rob. In Australian slang, what does... This is my favourite. In Australian slang, what does he could put a horn on a jellyfish mean? <laughs> he could put a horn on a jellyfish. Does it mean he's a sexy man, he's very successful... Or he's good at DIY? He's got to be good at DIY. Final answer? Yes. What do you reckon, guys? I reckon you've absolutely stitched off with these. I've never heard of them myself. <laughs> I think he's right. He's made them up. <laughs> I, I got them off, uh, off the internet, to be quite honest with you. So they may all be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that they're not. If there are any Australian listeners who can actually confirm any of these sayings, you know, by all means do, uh, do tweet us. Right, so you're saying that he could put a horn on a jellyfish means he's good at DIY, did you say? Yep. I'm sorry, Rob, but it means he's oh. a sexy man. What? I think it literally means that he could make a jellyfish horny. Oh. I'm zero out of three. Okay. So, there you go, boys. I know how competitive you are, so uh, you'll be champing at the bit. Right, your first question, Andy and Dylan. If it's mafting outside, that's M-A-F-T-I-N-G. If it's mafting outside, should you be wearing a raincoat, sunscreen, or a woody hat? Gosh. Um. Mafting. <laughs> it's proper mafting light. Proper. Wait, what proper. options again? It was the sunscreen, rain. raincoat, raincoat, sunscreen, or a woolly hat. Mafting. Oh, gosh. 
It's proper mathematics, I guess. I mean, this is you, you can confer. That, you know, this is a team effort. You have worked and together. If, if I was to guess, I would say sunscreen, but I, I don't know what this word means. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't tell you. I think your guess is as good as mine here. I would have honestly all three options seem viable, so we can go with sunscreen. Rob, yeah, sunscreen. It's got to be raining for me. <sighs> See, th- this is going to go badly for you, Rob, because it is oh. going to actually prove that you're a Mancunian oh. and not a Yorkshireman. <laughs> go on. Mafting means it's hot. Oh, if, yes. it, if it's mafting, if it's proper mafting, proper. proper rot. I'm a proper fraud. I told you I'm going to be good at this. Brilliant start, Dil. Can't knock it. Thank you. Second one. What does the phrase "Where's that bin" mean? <laughs> so, what does the phrase "Where's that bin" mean? Does it mean "Where is the garbage bucket"? Does it mean "Where have you been"? Or "Where are your manners"? Yeah, I feel like that first one's just a bit of bait. Yeah, where's the bin? Where's the garbage bucket? Where have you been? Or where are your manners? I think the second one's two on the head as well. I would go for the second one personally, but I don't know. Who's who's the captain of this team? Dill's being the captain. He's got one right here, so I'll I'll let him take liability if we get it wrong. Seems fair. Yeah, I would go for the second one. Like, where have you been? Dill, you're two of two, mate. This is very (laughs) impressive. If you can get the third one, I will be incredibly impressed. And Rob, I'm sure you'll know this one. Third question is, if a sheep is rig-welted, <laughs> is it horny, asleep on its back, or dead? Rig-welted. Is that the word? Rig-welted. Rig-welted. R-I-G-G-W-E-L-T-E-D. Rig-welted. Oh. It's a term relating to sheep. Does it mean that the sheep is horny? Does it mean that it's asleep on its back? Or does it mean that it's dead? Well, you see, the thing is, I'm going based off what I know, welted. What does it I mean? would say lying on its back, but I don't know. I don't know. Andy? I want to say lying on its back as well. Surely, yeah, cause surely you just say it's I, dead if it's dead. I mean, the thing is, like, if you welt someone, that means, like, you strike them. Like This is quality content. But I don't know if, if you strike to the point where, like, it's completely dead or if it's just been like knocked off its haunches and lying on its back now so I would say the second one but I just want to follow Andy's train of logic there you're saying that if if it was dead they'd just say that it was dead right yeah pretty much well surely if it was laying on its back they'd just say it was laying on its fucking back wouldn't they there's too many words you can just say it's, it's been rig welted <laughs> why is they lying on their back I think it's rigged rigged I think it's on its back as well well you're all right. It's absolutely. Who would have thought that there's actually a word in in Yorkshire to describe a sheep lying on its back? I wonder how many people is. use that. <laughs> Don't know. Amazing. So I've got three from three. Are we confirming that? You, you yeah. have to. Yes. We do yes, have yes, to yes, denounce yes. our Australian citizenship at this stage, though, from getting zero out of three with, uh, with the wrong <laughs> Australian Australians. That's true. Although I did say I spoke foreign languages, not ah uh, true, not the native language. It's confirmed that you guys would survive in Yorkshire a bit better than Rob might perhaps survive in, in Australia. I'd be bloody great, mate. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> I can... Um, yeah, that's that's the best impression I've ever heard of somebody from Birmingham that's lived in Australia for 10 years. I'd be great. <laughs> Should we get back to FIFA quickly? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So back to the uh, to the real stuff, I suppose. 
I want to have a quick chat about tactics here. And I know that Dylan, you've uh, well, you're you're kind of you're known for being a bit of a stick in the mud with the old four two three one, aren't you? Really, but you've you've moved away from it this year, so. Just want to kind of check in and see what we're all using at the minute. And yeah, we'll start with you, Dil. Well, I wouldn't say I've completely abandoned it. Of course, it's my uh, my old trusty formation since FIFA 19. Would it be fair to say that it's it's currently rig-welted? No, no. It's still it's still an option for me. It's hmm. currently my second choice just because I've got three three midfielders now. So I play Paqueta, De Bruyne and Valverde. So I kind of need a three-man midfield there. I could play Valverde on the right, on the 43 one, But, like, I don't know. I feel, at the moment, it goes back to what we were speaking about earlier, about the meta. If you, like, if you don't use it, you're kind of putting yourself at a disadvantage. Hmm. The 4-3-2 one is the most broken formation in the game. So, yeah, that's why I'm using it at the moment. We had to play division rivals for our qualifiers this past week, just gone. So, you know what? I thought, give myself the best chance of winning. And, yeah, switch to the 4-3-2 one for that week. Dylan, you recommended a player to me. Um, the pro for Ducks Gaming, a uh, guy called Zizinho, who I also remember you saying was a very good footballer in real life too, yeah? Yes, Andy can confirm. Yes, no, he, he ran through our entire team, Team Australia, when we went and played a pickup game and then just lobbed our goalkeeper. So that was a bit embarrassing. He was playing Neymar as one of his centre mids, and I was really taken with it, actually. I've never seen anybody play such such attractive FIFA this year. Why is it? The meta, why Why are all pros turning to it this year? Well, main reason is because in the middle of the pitch, you kind of just like, you flood the middle. So there's six players in the middle at all times. You kind of just outnumber your opponent there. And then the thing that makes it incredibly broken, and if this was fixed, which I don't think it's possible to be fixed, but if it was, then the formation would be nowhere near as good, is the fact you can have your fullback on overlapping, if you leave the one fullback on balance, overlap, or just join the attack, and the other one stay back, you've got a situation where that fullback that's joining the attack is never marked. So you've always got a player that's free on the wing. And if you're ever struggling to find a pass to your six players in the middle, you've just got that outlet on the wing. And then what your opponent has to do, drag their players to the wing. As soon as they do that, just find the ball, cut it back into the middle, and just play your quick passes, shoot, goal. Don't you find that that makes it a little bit predictable, just attacking down to one wing, just having the one fullback going forward? It does make it predictable, but it's impossible to stop. But it's, well, yeah, it doesn't matter if it's predictable, if it's uh, yeah, if it's unstoppable, I guess. Any thoughts on that, Andy? No, I think that's it. I mean, we saw glimpses of that last year as well in the event that I casted. Uh, a lot of the players would just play down the left-hand side with Marcelo, have him overlapping, pushing forward, and that numbers advantage in the four-three-two-one. Last year and even this year is still you know, really hard to defend against. And I think another thing that probably isn't always seen is the fact that some players can have it defend the 4-4-2, which is a lot more of a balanced formation to try and set up in. So that, you know, if you're three shift back, you have one of the front three attackers moving back as well, and you've just got a regular 4-4-2 in defense, which is always difficult to break down. Yeah, definitely. Rob is. Uh, I don't even know what you're using at the minute. You were on a on a four triple two for a long time. That's something actually. I'll give it a quick plug. That's uh, I've just made a tutorial on the four triple two in the Foot Academy, uh, which I would obviously encourage people to check out. I'm sure I'll uh, I'll get to giving you the details of that at the end of the pod. But yeah, what are you using there, Robert? Did you move away from the four triple two? Yeah, I've gone back to my trusty four one two one two narrow, just because uh-huh. I'm so 
stuck in my ways with this formation. I've played it for so long. I know it inside out. I, I feel like I can play some nice ticky-tacky stuff with it. So I just don't get on with many other formations. I just, I don't know, I'm so used to the cam and the two strikers. So, yeah, I've gone back to that. Um, and I'm back on old gen, which I said, which uh, I love forever. But yeah, four one two one two narrow. I did try four triple two. I did try four two three one. Bit of four three three. Um, I got on all right with them, but yeah, I always just go back to the four one two one two. Have you found? Because I mean, there will still be three, maybe four listeners playing old <laughs> gen still. <laughs> have you have you found that certain tactics and formations that work on new gen don't work on old gen? I know you said that you know obviously lengthy players don't, but do certain formations translate better on old gen? Um, good question. I'm not sure, to be honest. I know team-wise, a lot of people say, oh, jump between old and new and this and that. But to be honest, for me, you want a, I, the way I've seen it so far is you want quite a few lengthy players on new gen. And to me, back on old, you just don't. I just I want smaller, more agile, better dribblers. So I've, yeah, I've sold most of my team to go back on old and made a little team of tiny people and uh, I've not really noticed I've not. I've only played qualifiers and stuff and it's nothing's been too testing yet I think once I've played the full weekend league on old gen I'll have a better idea but I think there'll still be a lot of people playing four triple twos and stuff parking bus well very fair right before we close out the podcast I want us to take a quick look at a couple of questions that we've got from the discord and I'll put a link for people to join the discord in the uh, in the show notes it's absolutely free good community there so uh, if you're a discord user and you want to hop in would definitely encourage you to do so now we've got a couple of questions here from bungee gum and the first one is well they're kind of tied to each other but we'll, we'll ask them separately first one is what are the best skill moves to be using this fifa and i'm going to break the mold and i'm going to go first and answer this one and i'm going to say perhaps not the best but i think the most important I always say ball roll and it's still up there. But I'm going to say step overs. What do you guys think? With a lengthy striker? With anybody, really. It w- yeah, it does work. Definitely, they do. They are better than they were, I think. I would say the L1 heel to heel. Mm. Step overs. Mm. And if you want to get really like fancy with it, complicated, McGeady spin cancel. Yeah, I can't argue with any of those. Andy? I think I have to agree. I think step overs, the, the fact you can exit at any pretty much any direction, the little speed boost you get off that animation in general is really good. Orals, yeah, just tried and tested, tried and true. You, the fact you, it like almost stabilizes your player at any point in time. Like you can play a pass straight off of it because it's just way more accurate. And, you know, it brings your player to a position of control on the ball. It really helps a lot. Giddy cancel, like Dill said, really dynamic, really unpredictable, but not my personal favorite, I think. Oral scoop, still very viable i'd say just for situations on the wing but you don't really find yourself on the wing as much as previous years because of the lengthy catch-up as well the only thing i'd say on the complete opposite end of the technical scale i think i still think a fake shot in the box is is um criminally underrated at times maybe more on old but yeah i I do think i've scored i've had a lot of success with fake shots i know they're not always probably at the top level you never get away with it but i still think they're useful so i think someone actually came in my stream and said what what skills would you and I just said three and it was ball roll heel to heel and fake shot if I was getting into skilling they're the three I'd start with well yeah the, the 
kind of the second half of that question is, uh, let me just pull it up here. What's the best way to score or slip through their defence once you're already once you're already inside their box? My answer again, going first, is going to be the step over. Yeah, I would agree. Step over. The one that's really glitchy this year is the L one heel to heel. Um, if they don't press tackle, like they tried to just hold jockey, and like majority of the time when you're holding jockey, you're, like moving the left sick. Even if you move it the right way, sometimes like you underdo it or overdo it. So unless you're standing perfectly in the lane where you uh, you execute that, I think it's called the the heel to ball roll. It is. Heel to heel. Um, yeah, I'd say that. To our immense credit as well, Dylan, I think we should point out that if people want to go back and check out kind of the pilot episode of Foot Focus, uh, the coach and the pro, where me and you sat down and had a chat in the the opening few days of FIFA. We did identify that it was a bit overpowered and glitchy back then. So, GGs. Andy, how do you uh, how do you create your chance when you're in the box? Do you use skill moves? Do you maybe a bit of R1 dribbling? Actually, I've not really used R1 dribbling a whole heap. I still prefer L1 just because of the, the way that your player positions over the ball and just keeping it really simple in the box for me at this stage. Like, apart from, aside from the regular, you know, step overs and the shoot, probably just a little bit of left stick dribbling which is difficult but keeping it to within like one or two touches at most to try and just get that half space to shoot is what i found is still quite successful very fair rob the uh the common man on the pod what for breaking down in the box yeah once you're actually once you don't i'm really reluctant to use words like penetrated around you but yeah once you've penetrated the area how do you uh can it, why are you why do don't you like to use those words around me? What can you imagine? <laughs> I love a fake shot in the box. I love a heel to heel in the box. They're the, yeah, the three I said last time. I I go with them: ball rolls, heel to heels, and and fake shots. They're my they're my go tos in the box. Really. The next question, final question, is from Westy, and he wants to know when taking a lead, what's your best advice? Do you continue to play attacking, or do you go more defensive? Rob, you, you go first with that one. I like to just carry on and on and on and keep attacking and scoring. I, I offer, if, I, I, if I've got one, I want it to be 2-0. If I get to two, I want it to be three because I want them to quit most of the time. That's how I kind of go with it. I always think I'll get another and they'll quit. If I can tell it's, you know, say I'm 2-1 up and um, the game's closing out and it's a good player and I know they're going to have chances, then, yeah, possibly I will switch to something a bit more defensive. But early on in the game... I'm quite gung ho with it. I'll just I'll just carry on going, trying to get more. Um, but there are occasions. I think you've just got to gauge it based on the opponent kind of thing. And you know, if you sometimes you can just tell if you're one or two in a lot, you think you just. I, I get a bit of a sense I can kind of blow that person away and carry on. But yeah, if if they peg me back and I can tell the game's shifting momentum, then I will switch to something a bit more defensive. Yeah, I think we can normally tell how how stretched we've been, whether we're sort of getting away with it or or if we're comfortable. How about you guys? Do you uh, is defence the best form of attack, or uh, should you just batten down the hatches at certain points? I think constant press is scary. You have <laughs> to try like attack a bit. I mean, if they're not pressing you, yeah, you just hold the ball a bit more. Like you don't go complete defence, park the bus and all that, but you want to be smart with it, like manage the game. So. Try not to like rush things forward. If you can take out a couple minutes of the game each time you attack, um, that might prevent them from having like one final 90th minute chance. Um, so I would say, you know, still go forward, of course, because uh, this game, 
it's difficult to keep a lead. I'm not going to lie. It's very difficult. So, yeah, I would say just manage the game. If you get some more chances, try take them. But, yeah, just be got to be smart with it, especially against the press. I don't want to uh, preempt your answer here, Andy, but I don't know how many times I've heard you coaching Dylan and Nagetti in the 2v2s, and I've heard you saying, final attack, final attack. Yeah, Dylan's clearly taken on board some of the advice, which is good to see. I think, yeah, when you're in the lead, you generally just want to control the game at this stage. You're the one with the, the balls in your opponent's court to try and make something happen to score a goal. So, yeah, keeping the ball in the opposition half, just trying to control the chances, let them make a mistake or, you know, get yourself into a position where it is the 2v2 in the box or something like that and you have the opportunity to, you know, express yourself with some skills to de- get the goals and score some score some chances. But, yeah, like you've said as well, it's a good point that not everyone's going to give you that opportunity to even control the game when they're down. They're going to try and do their best to try and claw their way back in. So you do have to sometimes just stay patient, park it, and then wait for the counter to come, the counter opportunity to come so you can maybe score a goal on the break. Yep, all very good, all very sound. Okay, uh, let's wrap things up there. We'll... Uh... Oh, we'll go. We'll go through the, the socials. I was going to say we'll, we will put a link to them in the show notes anyway. Find me at the Foot Coach on Twitter, uh, twitch.tv forward slash the Foot Coach. I'll be streaming some World Cup stuff uh, over the weekend and into next week. Ah, uh, who wants to go first? Free for all. Go on. I'll go. On the Rob on Twitch. On the Rob on Twitter. On the Rob Nine on TikTok. Obviously. He's back. <laughs> Andy, where can we find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Andy Fano. That's where I'll be posting anything coaching related or anything FIFA related. If I've got some random glitch or bug that bugged me to no avail, to no end. So yeah, just find me there. Any plans for streaming, Andy? Probably not right now. I think I think I'll, if I would stream, it'd probably be me coaching someone on stream rather than me playing. I think uh, my, my best days of competing are behind me, but yeah, maybe if I do stream. Nice little chuckle from Mr. Campbell there. What, what was that all about? Oh, I've been, I remember the last time I saw Andy stream, he was in the, I think he was in the garage. <laughs> it was indeed in the garage. Yeah, we, we need more details. You can't leave it at that. Oh, okay. So, well, it was just that at the old, my old house, I had the internet box in the garage for some reason. And we figured it would be way too difficult for it to be cables all the way upstairs. So I ended up that I had my uh, my office space in the garage in the uh, 35 degree Australian summer. So it was just way too hot. I would be constantly dying. I'd stream for like three hours and then I'd be done if that. So thankfully I moved to the garage. Gaming is no more. But I mean, Australian summer is still here. It's just too hot to stream. It sounds beautifully practical in a completely impractical sense it was the weirdest solution let's just put it that way i would <laughs> get the, the hottest of summers and then the coldest of winters in that garage it was so bad dylan you've had a break from streaming but you're still i mean you're going at it at least five days a week aren't you at the minute so where can people tune into your streams where can they follow you on twitter well if you search up footwiz dylan i should come up on either platform but my at is at d campbell 20 underscore on twitter on Twitch, it's footwiz underscore Dylan. 
Right, good, good. That's pretty much all we've got. I'm, I'm delighted, just to wrap things up, I'm delighted that we've uh, we've reunited you two. I, I didn't realise that you that you had separated, genuinely. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like... Um, I feel like we've become the podcast equivalent of of Tinder. It's beautiful. I think it it's is. I, I think yeah. we should leave it there and just end this pod on that beautiful sentiment. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, obviously, I went on a podcast and, you know, obviously, I spoke to two people from Australia. And obviously... Uh, you know, I went to Australia once and thought everything was going to be upside down, but it wasn't. So, uh, you know, I was a bit disappointed, but I rang Danny Alley and we did FaceTime. And, uh, yeah, I just came back to England uh, a bit upset, really. But, obviously, you know, World Cup soon, so it'll be good. Thanks, Harry. These two thinking, fuck it, what is he on about? <laughs> Yeah, Harry Kane sounds like he lost his, his dentures or something. <laughs> <laughs>